this morning, I have the great privilege to, to open up the Bible with us. And uh, as I'm sure you know, uh, today is the last day of 2023. Now, I'm not sure what kind of year you've had. I've spoken to a number of people uh, in the last little while, and they've said to me, I just cannot wait to see the back of 2023. It's been a tough year for some people. I know for other people, uh, 2023 has been a wonderful year for them. They've experienced lots of significant milestones in life, and it's been a great joy. Now, whatever the case may be, tomorrow is the start of a new year. Tomorrow is the first day of 2024. And it's usually at this time of year, with Christmas behind us and with the new year in front of us, that we begin to think about change. Some of us make New Year's resolutions. We resolve uh, to do things differently, to stop doing some things, to start doing other things, to go to the gym, to eat more healthy, whatever it might be. Others of us just set some goals, you know, things that we'd like to achieve, things that we'd like to work towards. Uh, Some of us just kind of take this time of year to sit down with our loved ones and just to to reflect on the year that's been and to discuss what we might like to do differently. However it is we do it, usually at this time of the year, we begin to think about change. And for the next five Sundays, as a church, we're also going to think about change. Uh, We're kicking off a, a new sermon series today called How We change. For the next five weeks, which will take us through to the end of January, we're going to be talking about how do we grow as Christians. We're going to be talking about uh, spiritual growth and spiritual maturity, what theologians call sanctification, the, the, the process of transformation, of becoming more Christ-like, of growing in grace, of pursuing holiness. That's what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. Now, I know uh, that just the mention of spiritual growth and spiritual maturity, it it elicits all different kinds of feelings in us. Some of us immediately feel guilt. We're not growing and we know it. Maybe we don't even know how to grow. Others of us maybe feel a deep longing We want to grow more than we are. We deeply desire to become more like Christ. Maybe others of us, and we probably wouldn't admit this, but maybe others of us feel a bit smug. Maybe we think when it comes to to spiritual maturity and spiritual growth, we think we're doing okay. This is going to be a great series for everyone else. Maybe some of us feel cynical. We've tried to change. We've tried to grow. We've tried different strategies. We've read different books. We've been to different conferences, but none of it worked. None of it seemed to have stuck. And so I know that we're we're approaching this topic with all different kinds of feelings, from all different kinds of places. But the reality is, whatever we might feel about spiritual growth and about spiritual maturity. If we are followers of Jesus, if we believe the Bible is the word of God, 
we will all agree on the necessity of growth. We will all agree that that growth in the Christian life is not something optional. It's part of what God is doing in our lives. It's part of what it means to be a Christian, to grow and to change. Let me just give you a, a couple of examples from the New Testament. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 simply says this, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4, verse 15 says, We are to grow up in every... Maybe some of you just got flashbacks to, to your childhood. Grow up. <laughs> the Bible says we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. You see, according to the Bible, we are to grow in grace. We are to grow in knowledge. We are to grow in Christ. We are to grow in every way. And what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks is how do we do that? What does that look like? How do we change? And what we're going to see over the next five weeks is that change is slow work. It takes time. It's a journey. It's a process. We're going to see that change is heart work. It comes from within. It flows from our hearts. We're going to see that change is God's work. It begins and ends and is sustained by God. And we're going to see that change is your work. It involves your effort as well. And then finally, in the last week of the series, we'll see that change is our work. It's a community project. It's something that we do together. So that's where we're going over the next five weeks. Hope that you'll be able to, to join us uh, for this series. And today, we're going to kick it off by talking about the reality that change is slow work. Now, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Galatians chapter 6. We'll be looking at just a few verses, uh, verses 7 to 9. Galatians 6, verses 7 to 9. Now, while you're turning there, let me tell you uh, about a study that was released a few years ago. Uh, this study, released in the UK in 2019, it revealed, probably unsurprisingly, that we have become more impatient than ever before. Uh, apparently, according to this study, uh, people reported becoming frustrated after waiting 16 seconds for a web page to load. They became frustrated after waiting 22 seconds for a TV show to start streaming. And, and when it came to boiling the kettle, apparently people could only wait 28 seconds before they boiled over themselves. Now maybe, like me, when you hear those statistics, you think to yourself, that actually doesn't sound too bad. I've probably sat in front of a computer screen getting frustrated waiting for a web page to load after six seconds let alone 16. I mean, we are so used to getting what we want when we want it. Uh, we can order online just about anything with a click of a button or the swipe of a finger, and it will arrive at our door within days. Amazon, I think, even have same-day delivery service in other parts of the world. Uh, we can watch TV shows and movies on demand. It's crazy. We don't have to wait until next week for the next episode to come out. In fact, we don't even have to wait minutes. I mean, Netflix will kindly start the next episode for you before the credits even finish. 
We can, of course, get dinner you know, from a drive-through within minutes, or we can zap it in the microwave. We live in a world where we can get things instantly, where we can get things immediately. And this type of attitude can influence our Christianity as well. It can influence the way that we view our Christian lives and the way that we think about change and how quickly we should grow. In fact, I wonder if, if you've ever heard a, a, a Christian share their testimony, which went something like this. You know, this person was not a Christian. Uh, they were addicted to something, whether it was drugs or alcohol or whatever it might be. But then, by the grace of God, they became a Christian. And immediately, instantly, they were delivered from their addiction. They had zero desire to ever drink or, or do drugs again. You've probably heard a testimony like that. Maybe you even have a testimony like that. And listen, praise God. God can and does work in that way. And we should rejoice and be thankful. But we should also point out that God doesn't always work in that way. That God doesn't always bring about immediate change. That for every one person who has that story that story of, of immediate change. There is five, six, seven, eight other people who have come to Christ and not been delivered from their addiction instantly. They continue to wrestle with that. And it highlights something important for us about how we change. And it's simply this, change is slow work. Spiritual change, spiritual maturity, it's usually slow and ordinary and gradual. In fact, spiritual change is spiritual growth is a lot like physical growth. You know, I have uh, three young children, and each time we brought them home from the hospital and we, we put that tiny infant into their cot for their first night at home, I didn't expect to, to walk into their bedroom the next morning to find a teenager in the cot. That would have been scary. Cheaper but scary. Now, physical growth, we know it's a process. It takes time. And the same is true for spiritual growth. It's a process. It's a journey. It takes time. And the question that we're going to look at today is, well, what does this look like? If spiritual change is slow and gradual, if there's no quick fix, if there's no simple solution, then what does it actually look like? How do we begin to grow and change as Christians. And to answer this question, we're going to look at Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 to 9. Hopefully by now you've found it. I've given you plenty of time. Um, if you haven't, don't worry. It's going to be on the screen. So I'm going to read it for us, and then we'll dive into it together. Galatians 6, verses 7 to 9. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Galatia and says this, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. 
Three verses in this passage, and there are three things that I want to pull out from it. There's the principle, the practice, and the promise. So let's begin firstly with the principle. And we find it right there in verse 7. Paul says, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Now, you probably heard this growing up, maybe from a parent, maybe from a teacher. You reap what you sow. Uh, You get out what you put in. Actions have consequences. And listen, they were right. This is basically what Paul is saying here. He's saying when it comes to life in this world, when it comes to the Christian life, what you sow, you reap. What you plant, you harvest. What you put in, you get out. Here's the way one author put it. He says, Paul says what we really all know intuitively. Life is connected. Where you are today is a result of decisions you made yesterday. And where you will be tomorrow is connected to what you do today. There is a relationship between your current actions and what you can expect in the days and weeks and months to come. Here's the principle. Actions have consequences. Choices have outcomes. Habits have repercussions, whether for good or for ill. Now, of course, we don't always experience or even often experience these uh, consequences immediately. They'll often take time to reveal themselves. For example, if you buy a new car, And the owner's manual says you need to service that car every 10,000 kilometers. But you decide that costs money. I'm not going to service my car. Now, I'm sure the car will continue to run beyond 10,000 kilometers. But eventually, given enough time, it will break down. It will stop working. Because actions have consequences, even when we don't see them immediately. And this is kind of what's behind the imagery that Paul uses there in Galatians 6. He uses an agricultural metaphor, a farming metaphor. It's a farmer who's sowing his seed, sowing and reaping. Now think about it. Imagine a farmer who went out one day and he, he planted some tomato seeds. Now what would you think if the very next day he went out to his field and when he saw no tomato plants there, he started to worry and to complain You'd think he was being ridiculous. You'd think he'd probably need to find a new career. Tomatoes take time to grow. And see, the point is it's the same for us. It's the same for our actions. They take time to to germinate and to grow. Change is slow work. I mean, think about it this way. Uh, If you decide to, to start reading the Bible... Maybe you're a Christian, but you haven't been reading the Bible, and so you say, one of my New Year's resolutions for 2024 is to start reading the Bible. That's how, you know, I'm going to start to do that. And so tomorrow, you wake up, you sit down, you read Genesis 1, you pray at the end. Now, if you got to the end of that little devotional time and you thought to yourself, nothing happened, it didn't work, I haven't changed. I think Paul would say, give it some time. You're like the farmer who's looking for the tomatoes the very next day. 
Change takes time. Change takes consistency. Change is slow work. Or to use a different example, if you're a Christian, but you're engaging in something, doing something that you know is wrong, you know it's sinful, but you seem to be getting away with it, it seems to be having no effect, no one else knows about it. Well, Paul says there in verse 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. You might fool yourself. You might fool someone else. But you cannot fool God. You cannot escape this principle. Actions have consequences even when we can't immediately see them. This is the principle, a man reaps what he sows. Now, maybe at this point you're wondering, what about forgiveness? Isn't that what Christianity is all about? I mean, this principle sounds a bit more like karma. You get what you deserve. I thought Christianity was about grace. I thought it was about forgiveness of sins, not consequences for sins. And of course, the answer is yes, absolutely. The heart of Christianity is about grace. The heart of the gospel is about forgiveness of sins. I mean, this is what the letter of Galatians is all about. Listen to how Paul begins the letter. In, in chapter 1, he says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. Christianity is about forgiveness of sins. This is why Jesus came. This is why Jesus died. This is the heart of the good news. But here's what we must also realize. Forgiveness does not erase what you've sown. Forgiveness does not just magically uproot what you've planted in your life. Yes, you can be forgiven for your sin, but you might still have to endure consequences of your sin. To use a silly example, Imagine I was to eat an entire tub of chocolate mint ice cream every single night in 2024. Now, if I got to the end of the year, uh, you know, made it. No, that's, you know, I got to the end of the year and I realized that that is gluttonous. And I asked God for forgiveness for my gluttony. Now, God will graciously extend forgiveness, but here's the thing. It's not going to magically make the weight fall off. You can receive forgiveness for your sin. But you, you know, your sin can be removed from you as far as the east is from the west, Psalm 103. It can be buried in the deepest part of the sea, Micah chapter 7. But you can't just undo it. You can't reverse it. Even when God forgives us, our actions still have consequences. And this is the, the principle that Paul gives us here in Galatians 6. And if this is the principle, we reap what we sow, the question is, what should we do in response to this principle? And this is what Paul turns to next in verse 8. He turns from the principle and he gives us the practice. He, he goes on to say, if this principle is true, if a person reaps what they sow, then pay attention to where you're sowing. 
Pay attention to what you're planting in the soil of your life. Look at what he says, uh, verse 8. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Paul basically says there are two locations that you can sow. You can sow to the flesh or you can sow to the Spirit. In other words, if you think about your life as a farm, there are two fields into which you can sow seed. The field of the flesh or the field of the Spirit. Now, what are they? What do they mean? Well, firstly, the flesh. That the flesh is not referring to our physical bodies and our physical desires. You know, that's the way we tend to use the word flesh, isn't it? You know, meat and bones. Uh, but that's not the way the Bible uses the word flesh. You know, God's not opposed to our physical bodies and our physical desires. After all, he gave them to us. I mean, the, the desire for food, the desire for sex, the need for rest, the need for relationship, these are gifts from God. The flesh is not referring to our physical bodies and our physical desires. Now, the flesh is referring to our sinful nature and the corrupted desires which flow from our sinful nature. You know, the the fall, the rebellion against God in Genesis 3, it brought about a, a rip in the fabric of our lives. You can almost think of the flesh as our broken operating system. This is what Paul means. It's the corrupted desires which flow from our sinful nature. Here's the way John Stott puts it in his commentary. He says, Every time we allow our mind to harbor a grudge, nurse a grievance, entertain an impure fantasy, or wallow in self-pity, we are sowing to the flesh. Every time we linger in bad company whose insidious influence we know we cannot resist, Every time we read pornographic literature, every time we take a risk which strains our self-control, we are sowing, sowing, sowing to the flesh. Listen to this. He says, some Christians sow to the flesh every day and wonder why they do not reap holiness. I mean, maybe you'd honestly admit my spiritual growth is stagnant. My joy in Christ is, is, is largely non-existent. My relationship with God is, is, is pretty hollow, if I'm being honest. And I think the question that Paul would ask from this passage is, is where have you been sowing? Think about the last few weeks. Think about the last few months. What have you been sowing into? How have you been spending your time? What have you been thinking about? What have you been devoting yourself to? Clicking on, looking at, thinking about, reading, listening to, watching. What have you been sowing into your life because that is what you will reap in your life? I mean, when a farmer plants tomato seeds, he doesn't expect corn to grow. He expects tomatoes to grow. And if, if, if we're consistently sowing to the flesh, we shouldn't be surprised if we're not reaping joy and peace, if we're not reaping spiritual growth. Now, it's challenging stuff, isn't it? I was sitting in my study this week very, very challenged. It's tough, but change is not easy. Now, what's the solution? Well, it's to sow into the other field. To sow to please the Spirit, Paul says in verse 8. Now, what does that mean? Because that sounds esoteric, abstract, doesn't it? I love the way uh, Ray Ortland puts it. Listen to this. 
He says, in practical terms, sowing to the Spirit is just the Christian basics, but viewed with their long-term impact. How good is that? In practical terms, sowing to the Spirit is just the Christian basics, but viewed with their long-term impact. Sowing to the Spirit is studying the Bible and walking with God in prayer and living in honest community and faithfully showing up at church and serving the cause. And God says to you through this, what you might think is ordinary, I turn into the glorious and the lasting. If you sow the seed of the Holy Spirit in your life, your unspectacular Christian life will keep on bearing fruit far beyond your own time. I love that. To sow to the Spirit is the Christian basics viewed with their long-term impact. And so I don't have time to, to go through them all, but let me just ask you a few questions. Are you sowing to the Spirit? Are you sowing God's Word into your heart? Now, I don't just mean listening to sermons on Sunday, though that's good. I mean, are you you're feeding on God's Word yourself? Are you, are you sowing it into your heart and into your mind? Now, if you don't know where to start, can I just recommend one of the Gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Or download the YouVersion Bible app, a free app with hundreds of different Bible reading plans. Or reach out to us at the church office, and we would love to help you get started. Are you sowing God's word into your heart? What about community? Are you sowing into community? Are you investing in relationships with other Christians? Now, our church is is relatively big, which means you're not going to be best friends with everyone. You, You might not even be able to get to know everyone. But do you know someone? And does someone know you? Really know you? Are you living in honest community with other believers? If you're not, 2024 is a great opportunity to start. Now, it's not going to happen overnight. Building genuine relationships with other people, it takes time. It takes time. But can I just suggest a few ways that you might get started? Commit to coming to church every Sunday that you can. This is the corporate gathering of God's people. This is is where you can get to to meet people. Commit to coming early and staying late. Start serving alongside others. Invite someone over for a meal. Join a life group. Sow into community this year. Now, I know that all of these things sound very, very ordinary, don't they? Reading the Bible, prayer, being involved in community, they almost seem a bit underwhelming. You know, we'd probably rather get some kind of secret to to change and to growth. But this is it. God has located his extraordinary grace in these ordinary means. And if we will give ourselves to these means, if we will persevere in these means, God will do extraordinary things in and through them. Now, I know uh, this sounds easy on a Sunday when we're sitting in church, but it becomes a bit harder during the the rest of the week. It can become a bit more difficult in the trenches of life, in the busyness of life. And this is why I think Paul lands where he does. He gives us the principle, he gives us the practice, and then he finishes with the promise in verse 9. Here's what he says. He says, let us not become weary 
Because we can get weary, can't we? We can get weary in doing good. You know, committing yourself to community, it's not going to be all lollipops and bubbles. It's going to be hard. Opening up the scriptures every day, there's going to be things that you're going to want to scroll or do whatever else. These things aren't easy, and we can become weary. And so Paul says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, there's a condition there. It says if we, will, if we do not give up. In other words, if we, if we keep following Jesus, if we keep trusting Jesus, there's a condition, but there's also a promise. It says if we do that, we will reap a harvest. If we do not give up, if we keep trusting Jesus, if we keep following him, it's a certainty that we will reap a harvest. It's a certainty that God will transform us, that God will make us glorious, that God will complete his work in us, and that God will never let us go. I love the way Dane Ortland puts it in his book, uh, Deeper, Real Change for Real Sinners. He says this, and I'll, I'll close with this. He says, we will not grow in Christ if we view his presence and favor as a ticking clock ready for an alarm to go off once we fail him enough. We can flourish into deeper health only as the truth settles over us that once Jesus has brought us to himself, he will never be looking for an off-ramp. He will stick by us to the end. In that knowledge, we calm down and begin to flourish. So have you become weary or disheartened are you thinking about giving up God says to you today keep going I won't let you go I won't abandon you and if you keep going you will reap a harvest and it will be more than worth it let's pray Father, thank you that you have taken hold of us in your son, Jesus. That nothing and no one can snatch us from your hands. And thank you that you are doing a work in us, Lord. That you are transforming us from one degree of glory to another. That you are setting us free from what enslaves us into the freedom of knowing you and loving you. And so Lord, for those of us here this morning that have grown weary, by your spirit, would you lift our eyes to see Jesus, to keep our eyes fixed on him, to not give up. And Lord, for others of us who, if we're honest, have stopped doing good, have stopped sowing to the spirit, have stopped pursuing you, then help us, Lord, by the power of your Spirit to once again look to you, be changed by you. Help us not float, but help us sow where you call us to sow so that we might become who you've called us to become. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.